right, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. If you're a guest with us today, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that God speaks to you this morning. Uh, we, uh, if you would, open your Bibles up to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 is where we're going to be spending our time this morning. We're talking about how worship of God spreads to all the nations. So please give your attention to the reading of God's word this morning. I want to set the stage for Psalm 96. Forgive me if I cry. (laughs) You've seen this before. (laughs) Psalm 96 is an extraction of a prior song, and it was sung. I will not do that. But when did it occur? Psalm 96 occurred after the captivity in Jerusalem was repopulated by the Jews. How do you think they felt? How would you feel after decades, centuries of captivity, and you are now back in your homeland, and you are free? And then the next thing was to rebuild the temple. And undoubtedly, that took many years. And finally, the day has come The temple is complete, and the day of dedication has arrived. And today is the day of dedication with Psalm 96. Pretend you were there and stand as you would for the reading of God's word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Mm. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, his due, due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Thus ends the reading of the Lord's word. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Don. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, King of the world, I got to say, it, it, it just makes my heart glad to see, to see the church glorify you today, to lift your name above all names. And Lord, I, uh, 
I'm just aware. I've, I've struggled with this text and how to present it all week and just uh, acknowledge the, that I'm talking about stuff that I don't feel equipped to communicate fully <laughs> of how glorious you are. I can't make anyone in this room delight in you. But you can. So Lord, I pray that you would cause each and every person in this room and all the rooms in this school change hearts to where we would delight in the Lord above all things. Through your Holy Spirit, make this word live and change us so that we would declare how great you are to people and even to one another. Do what only you can do today. Do a miracle in Crossway. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We, if you've been with us the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been in a particular sol- a section of the Psalms that is, has been calling us repeatedly, repeatedly <laughs> to worship the Lord over and over. Worship God as the king of the entire universe. And this psalm is unique in that it directly calls unbelievers to worship the Lord as the king of the universe. And then that's what's meant by the, the nations or the families of the people and, and phrases like that. These are phrases that revert, refer to gr- uh, different people groups, people groups across ethnic lines, across uh, geo, uh, geographical lines that do not know God. They do not love and worship God from the smallest unit of a family tribe to the larger geopolitical nations. And the psalmist is audaciously... <laughs> And boldly calling all the nations to worship God. It's incredible when you stop and think about it. So right out of the gate, we need to understand that worship of God includes so much more than what happens here on Sunday mornings in this school building. It's definitely not less than what we do here on Sunday. It's just a lot more than what happens here. Rehearsing and reminding one another and, and rehashing, if you would, the beauty, the glory, the power of God to change lives on Sunday mornings that we do every week is not merely to heal us. It's not merely to encourage our hearts or merely to teach us something about God, though it does all of those things, and it should do all those things. That's not the only thing that it does. In our worship of God on Sunday, we, are, we personally experience his mercies anew. That's what that first verse, that phrase, sing to the Lord a new song. It doesn't mean necessarily sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. You're experiencing, we're encountering his mercies and grace, a fresh experience as we're singing that to him again. Our worship of God is not to be confined within these walls or to the people within these walls. We worship, we gather to worship so that we are empowered to tell others of how glorious God is. That's the end result. You need to know that or you won't understand what we're doing here very well. <laughs> It'll ring a little hollow. 
Worship of God is the fuel for missions. Did you know that? Relishing in the greatness and the gorgeousness and the perfection of God week in and week out is actually supposed to move our church in a particular direction. We're not supposed to say the same year after year. Worship of God is supposed to move Crossway in a particular direction, which is outward to the nations, outward to unbelievers of every nationality, tribe, and tongue. So Psalm 96 tells us that God wants the worship of his name to spread throughout the world. That's what we're talking about today. So let's talk about why God wants worship of his name to spread throughout the world, and then how does he want that to happen? Because he kind of has some ideas of how he wants that to happen. Well, first of all, why? Well, the Lord wants the nations to rejoice. He wants the nations to rejoice in his rule of the world. Look at verses 10 through 13. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. That means he's the king. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. We're supposed to tell, like, it, it looks like it's teetering and tottering and broken. It's not. It's established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. That means with equality. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills the sea and let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. Why? For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. You see, like, the entire universe is, like, really glad about what's getting ready to happen. And the psalmist is like, you should get in line with what creation's already doing. Like, if the ocean should praise God, then you probably ought to, too. If the birds can praise God, you could, too. You should, too. To say that God wants lots of people to worship him as king can make God sound uh, like he's a pretty shallow being when you first hear it. Because God's saying, you should worship me. You should say I'm, you know, beautiful. You should say I'm glorious. That's what you should do with your life. It could sound, it can sound like God has this really frail, fragile ego and he needs to surround himself with people that constantly tell him how splint, splendorous he is, even though he's really not that splendorous splendorous like he wants a lot of yes men to surround him oh no you're great you're good yeah yeah you're good that's what it can sound like when we hear that it can sound like God is calling humans to worship him so that he will benefit from all of our praises and that's kind of off-putting isn't it like I don't even want to be around like another person who does that why would I want to worship a God who does that that's a very small God that's a very fragile God but what the psalmist tells us in verses 10 through 13 is that the opposite is being said here. The opposite is true. God wants people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation to worship him as king. Why? Because it is for their good. 
It is for their benefit. It is a blessing for them to worship him. God, listen, is actually after their joy. That's why he wants them to worship him. And he's after our joy as well. I'm gonna paraphrase John Piper here. God wants people of all nations to do the very thing that will give them the most intense joy and the longest lasting joy. That's why he's commanding them to do it. All of God's commands are blessings. Did you know that? They are. Anything less than the greatest and longest lasting joy would not be a good or a loving thing for God to command people of the world to do. That's what he's after. He's after their greatest, most intense, longest lasting joy. God wants you and I to worship him as the king of the world because his rule manifested in the earth is the greatest and longest lasting joy that humans could ever experience. It doesn't get any better than that, that God's in charge and we all see it and we get to live under that authority because when, remember we talked about last week, when you are under his authority, you are under his care. Isn't that great? One day the Lord is going to visibly write everything that's currently wrong in the earth and throughout the entire universe. This is cosmic that's going on here. This is uni- universe stuff here. He's going to write everything that's wrong. He's going to fix everything that is broken. God's going to do that. And, and, and this will bring those that worship him ultimate, supreme, never-ending joy because his decisions on how to do that are always going to be always impartial and always fair and always right every time without exception. He won't take a shortcut to get that done. He's going to do it right. And so when the Lord comes to rule, the, the Lord comes to rule this earth, it is reason for all the God worshipers to celebrate who are currently in weak positions. They're currently in powerless positions. They're currently getting overlooked. They're a nobody or they are disadvantaged in some way. God worshipers can't wait for that day, the day of the Lord to happen. It's going to be a great day because he's going to rule with equity, with equality. No one's getting to get overlooked. You see, the Lord's reign is cause for rejoicing because it means many things. It means that the richest people in the world cannot bribe the Lord to make things go their way. Why? Because God already owns everything. So he's not going to be influenced by what they want. All that is just like on loan to them for a while. And he's going to say, I'm going to call that for account. That's mine. Thank you. So he's not going to be influenced by what they want. The Lord's reign means that the mightiest nations with the largest military cannot intimidate the Lord to make things go his way. He's just not scared of anyone. Because they're all like ants to him. So he's going to do what he wants. And he's going to do what's right. Isn't that great? So it doesn't matter if you're in a weak position right now. No one intimidates the Lord. So worship the Lord. The Lord's reign is cause for rejoicing because the most accomplished people with the fattest resumes in the world cannot, express, cannot impress the Lord. You know why? Because when you create the entire universe <laughs> with your voice, It makes everybody else's accomplishments look pretty much like junior varsity stuff. It's like the ultimate mic drop. Look what I did. I created the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, and I gave you the brain to make that even rationally make sense. So, good job, I guess. 
the Lord, the Lord will rule, not like a tyrant and not like a tycoon, giving out favors to the highest, bitter. He will make sure that justice and righteousness and fairness comes to all those who worship him as Lord and King, regardless of who the situation that they're in right now. And that brings everlasting joy to all the peoples of the world that worship him, regardless of their status right now, regardless of our situation right now. And the world needs to know that because the world doesn't know that. The world doesn't know that and they need to know where their greatest joy is going to be found. So how does this joyful worship of God's name spread throughout the world? How does this get out to the world? Well, we declare the glory of God to all the nations. We, de- we declare the glory of God to all the nations. Let's go to the text, verse 3 through 5. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Why? For the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The way more worshipers come into being is that current worshipers of God talk to unbelievers about how glorious God is. That's how they become worshipers of God. I mean, I know that's pretty simple, but it needs to be said. We tell them. We tell them. The psalmist says that we are to open our mouth and use words to sing songs, declare, tell people how glorious, majestic, wonderful, perfect the Lord is. Yes, we do good deeds for them. Yes, we need to love them in these physical and practical ways. Yes and amen, but there is a verbal component to evangelism that cannot be substituted with something else. It is a part and parcel, and it's very important. Our good, thoughtful, loving deeds need explanation so that the glory goes to God and not us or someone else. The good news about God is, at the end of the day, news. It's news, which means it needs to be declared with words. When you watch the news, do they like pantomime act out the news for you? No, they don't. What do they do? They tell you the news. Yeah, they use some video, but they tell you. This is what you're watching. This is what you're seeing. That's what you and I do. The psalmist says that you and I are to declare to people that the Lord alone is to be worshipped because he's superior to all the gods that they are currently worshipping right now. And here's the, the, the truth, guys, and I've talked about this before. We make gods, you and I, not like just like those people out there, okay? We. We make gods out of all kinds of things, amen? Can the church say amen? We make gods out of all kinds of things, even though we know no God, we make, God, we make gods out of all kinds of things. I'm not talking like, like literal like wooden figurines, okay? But we ascribe ultimate meaning and ultimate value to things like money. Like having power. I'm going to get power in this situation. Or sex. Or a particular nation. Or a particular political party. Or to our particular family or to our particular group of friends that we ride with. 
We take these things and we make them supreme in our heart. And we pour out our affection on these things and our love on these things. Our hearts believe that if we have that and, and if we can keep it, protect it, hang on to it, then that will give me meaning in life. That'll keep me from having a worthless, meaningless life. If I can get that and then hang on to that and keep it. That, that they will give us joy, or maybe they will save us from the thing that we're most afraid of. That's a God. That's a description of what a God is, okay? And so what happens is we arrange our life, and we arrange our schedule, we arrange our budget, we arrange our life around getting that thing and keeping that thing. You know what they call that? Worship. So that's what a God is, and that's what worship is. And the psalmist tells us that we are to declare that all the things that people naturally put their hope in and naturally put their trust in cannot save them in the end. They may benefit them for a little while, but in the end, that's not going to save you. That's not going to keep you from the thing that you fear the most. That's not going to give you the all-surpassing joy that you desperately want. They're worthless to save, and they're worthless to bring supreme, long-lasting joy. Why? Because they're created things. And you're a created thing. How can a created thing save you? It can't. And so when you and I tell people that the Lord is supremely glorious. We're actually trying to save people from deep disillusionment and soul-crushing angst that they're going to experience. We're not being mean. We're not trying to impose something on them. We're seeking their joy. We're seeking their joy. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what the Lord was doing for us? Seeking our ultimate joy by saying, worship me? You see how this is related, guys? Here's the truth, family. We will declare to others whatever we delight in ourselves. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? We will declare whatever we delight in. And you already do it. We already do this. Yeah, yeah, uh, you ever been uh, sharing a really good memory with someone? Maybe you're sitting around with some family or friends or whatever. You're sharing this really good memory. You're kind of going back in the way back machine, right? I remember that. Remember that trip? Remember that thing? And you're talking about that story. Maybe you're talking about someone that you really like. And while you're talking about it, a smile just starts to come over your face and you didn't even know it. Like, has that ever happened to you? You can say yes. That's all right. You know what that is? That's delighting. You're delighting in something. That's what it means to delight in something. The very act of talking about it made you genuinely smile while you were talking about it. That's delighting yourself. That's a picture of what it looks like. I believe that one of the reasons why we don't tell people about the beauty and the power and the glory of the Lord is because we do not personally delight in the Lord ourselves. We've somehow stopped delighting ourselves in Him, and we're delighting in other things. Now think about this. I mean, it's so common, but it's worth saying. Every time you hit the share button on social media, Twitter or Facebook or something, every time you hit that share button to share that cute cat video or meme or whatever that was. You know what you're doing? You're saying, I delighted in that. 
So I got to declare it. I got to share it. Because I somehow got enjoyment. I, got, I rejoiced. I somehow enjoyed that. And like, like, you need to read that. Like, you need to read that article. Like, you need to see this. This will make you laugh because it made me laugh. And I want you to laugh. So, like, you need to come into this and share this with me. That's what we're doing on a mass scale with social media. You delighted in something, so you declared it. And come with me. Come in and share it. Grandparents, they share their photos of their grandkids to total strangers. Why? Because they delight in their grandkids. I said, this is the one we took last week. And is she cute? Like, I think she's cute. I want you to think she's cute. Come delight with me. Come delight with me. That's why they're declaring. That's why they're declaring. We will declare whatever we delight in. Do you delight in the Lord? That's a good diagnostic question. Do you delight in the Lord? Or is he like, yeah, it's okay. I delight in other stuff. Delight yourself in the Lord Crossway, and you will declare him to the nations. Worship of God spreads to the world when we invite all nations to gladly worship the Lord. We invite all nations to gladly worship the Lord. Let's go to the text, verse 7 through 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. You see how like, blunt and direct this is? There's not a lot of window dressing, like warming up <laughs> to this conversation. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to, that means to like, acknowledge, recognize the, the Lord glory and strength. I want you to recognize his glories. I want you to recognize his strength. Ascribe to the Lord, glory do his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This is an amazing passage because it is a direct call to unbelievers to become God worshipers. Like, it's just so blunt. <laughs> it's so confident. But yet it's so inviting all at the same time. Like, you, you should do this. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm not going to give you a case. Like, you just should do this. So let's do it. This is the invitation. The Lord is the supreme creator of this world, and he is trustworthy and fair in all his judgments, and he is satisfying for your soul. So come worship him. Like, abandon all your worthless God and come, gods and come worship the true living God. And, and now, now is a good time to do that. Come near him. In fact, come into his, where he lives. You should come right into where he lives. Come now. Just come. God is inviting not a particular nation or a particular ethnic group to become worshipers of him and his glory. He has thrown the doors open to his kingdom, wide open to all people groups from all kinds of backgrounds. It's amazing to come and worship him as the fair, right, just, righteous king of the earth. So it's like this. This is the picture the psalmist is painting. There's this huge worldwide party that is happening very soon when the king comes to rule the world. Now, creation's already getting in on this. They're already celebrating. And all the king's people are celebrating him right now in advance. That's kind of what we're doing every week, by the way, and throughout the week. This is the pre-party party, okay? 
And we're worshiping him. We're getting warmed up. And as we celebrate and as we delight in the Lord week in and week out, it should spill over into inviting unbelievers to join in the celebration before that day comes. Because you can't be happy when that day comes to him rule the world if you've not been celebrating before it comes, if you already like him before he comes. That's the only reason you would be excited about that day coming. So come now. Celebrate and party now. Get in on this now. This is just a taste of the celebration. So brothers and sisters, we invite unbelievers to actually become worshipers of the Lord. We're calling them to convert. Don't worship those gods. Worship this God and do it with all your heart. It's good for you. You'll rejoice. That's what we're saying. Become worshipers of the Lord, just like the Lord invited you and I to become worshipers. We're just passing this down the line. Okay? We don't invite people to come simply to our worship service. We are not simply calling them to come to our church picnic later this month or come to our life group, although we do invite them to all those things. We do. That's not what the psalmist is saying here, though. I really want to make this point. We're inviting them to something bigger and grander. We're boldly to invite them to come worship God. That's what we're inviting them into. Come into the very presence of the Lord, bow down and worship him. Offer him heartfelt worship, the king of the world. That is what, and so we can't get sidetracked on some of these other things. Come here to him. Come to him. And we're to remind one another to do that too, by the way. But there's this interesting part in this invitation. If you, if you would, just look at verse 8 again, okay? Let's throw that, up, throw that up again. It's very interesting. It was curious to me. Ascribe, recognize, acknowledge to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So the invitation is for all the people's to come into the dwelling place of the Lord, okay? Come to know the Lord personally. Don't come know about him. Come know him, him. Come into a relationship with him, right? Come to know how beautiful and glorious and holy and righteous he really is. The brochures are true, okay? We want you to come know for yourself. Come and share in the joy of the Lord. Come share in the joy of him being king of the world. But bring an offering, you need to bring an offering. Psalmist is saying an offering gives you access. Now that's curious. What worship offering could possibly give us people who are constantly chasing after little lesser gods every day of the week? What kind of worship offering could people like us possibly possibly give us access to the living God of the universe? Like, what would be acceptable to a God who is this holy and this majestic? And that's the point. You don't have enough. <laughs> like, gather it all up, you don't really have enough, right? The answer is only an offering that God himself supplies. He's got to supply that. 
this perfect gift of worship that brings you like a passport into the presence of God has been supplied for you. Isn't that how nations travel from one place to another? They need a passport, right? God's supplied the passport. God supplied the offering to bring you and I into his presence through the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. It says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, and this is a quote of Psalm 40, by the way, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I, that's Christ speaking, then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This is directed to God, as is written of me in the scroll of the book, as it's written in the Old Testament. Right? Jesus sang all these songs, right? That's how he sang this psalm when that psalm came up in worship. Isn't that interesting? Then look at verse 10. And by that will, the will that was just spoken about prior, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering. Of what? Of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In his body, he did everything that was needed to be that perfect offering for you and me. The Lord is the only God in the world that supplies the very thing he requires of his own worshipers. Isn't that crazy? What a God. What a Lord. (laughs) I want to worship that God, don't you? You can say amen. It feels good to say amen. It's all right. God does not merely invite us into his jo- the joy of his rule. He doesn't merely just invite us into the celebration of his kingdish- kingship and say, well, good luck getting access to my joy. You know, I'm an opportunity for you. I hope you take it. I-, I hope you offer enough. I hope you find the right password. Good luck. Half on the doors open. I hope you get in. Now, he doesn't do that. All the gods of the world say that to you and I, but not the Lord God. The Lord alone makes a way into his presence and grants us access through Jesus Christ. Christ offered up the perfect obedience that sinners need to get to a holy, glorious, supreme God who is coming to rule the world. When we invite people to worship the Lord, we are inviting them to come to him through the name of Jesus through the credentials of Jesus, not their own name, not their own resume. You come in his name. That's the only way you can come. And why would you want to come another way? He did everything. It's perfect. It's perfect. That's the good news because no other God would supply the very thing that they demand. No other God would make that sacrifice and give that offering. It's like, I did perfect. That should count for me. (laughs) He's like, no, it counts for you. What a loving God. And that is why we delight in the Lord. That's why I'm smiling right now talking about it. That's why we sing about it. Sing to him. Brothers and sisters, do you know what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord? Do you have any idea what happens when you you delight yourself in the Lord? And he's uppermost in your affections. 
and then you invite an unbeliever to come be a worshiper of God, do you know what happens? Sometimes they say yes. That's what happens. Sometimes they say yes. That's great. I'll go. I'll do that. And they see the smile on your face and the delight you have in this great God who's the boss, and you're like happy about that fact that he's the boss and that he's the king and right, right every wrong. And they see that in your life. They see that on your face. And they go, hey, you want to come be a worshiper of that God? They say yes sometimes. Isn't that crazy? It happens. Sometimes they say yes to your invitation and become worshipers of the glorious Lord who's to ever be praised on men. I just got a letter from a friend of mine uh, named Clint. He serves in the Middle East to Muslims. And he tells me that Jesus is radically on the move there where they're at. There are over two million Syrian and Kurdish refugees that have fled for their lives to the country that he serves in right now. And he said that more pouring over the border every day. His mission organization provides medical assistance, emergency housing for victims of sexual violence, educational transportation for children to get to school, PTSD counseling, because people are seeing things that no human should ever see, along with Bible studies, along with small groups and church planting efforts. And from their perspective, they see the nations are literally streaming to Jesus through the Syrian war right now. It's unbelievable how God is using this tragedy for good. And they're saying, okay, use us. Whatever the cost, just use us. My friend reports that hundreds of Muslims have come to know the Lord Jesus through their refugee ministry alone, including many ex-fighters. That's how powerful Jesus is. I'm done with that. I bow down to you, Jesus. You're my Lord. Because they opened their arms to the nations and gave them food and water and help and said, it's because of Jesus we're doing this. Come worship him. Don't say God can't do that stuff. He's using the church. He's using Christians that are taking this serious. And get this, he's telling me that those former Muslims who are now Christians are turning around and discipling other Muslims. And hadn't stopped with them. They're going back out and saying, hey, it's Jesus that you need and Jesus that you really want. It's unbelievable. Let, let me just put it this way. Christians are inviting the nations to come worship Jesus and the nations are saying, yes, we will. And then they're turning around and giving that invitation to more of the nations. They are literally doing Psalm 96. They're like watching Psalm 96 happen because they're willing to open their arms to them, invite them in. Crossway supports uh, the Sigmunds. They're sitting right over there. The Sigmunds, they work for a missionary organization called Gospel Wave Media Ministry, and it's bringing the gospel of Jesus to the people of Turkmenistan via mass media. And by the way, this is currently the only way that the gospel can get into this country. Your weekly offerings... And if you committed to give an offering to our church, don't forget to do that this week. Your weekly offerings go to support their family and this ministry and its efforts to spread the glory of God to the nations. And you know what's happening? 
people are saying yes to Jesus. The nations are saying yes, people who did not worship the Lord are becoming worshipers of the Lord through this ministry. In fact, they're now spreading their impact to the neighboring nations of Uzbekistan and Iran. Yeah, I said it, Iran. They're going in through mass media. It's pretty incredible. They're inviting the nations to bow down and worship the Lord Jesus, and the nations are saying, yes, yes, we should do that. We will do that. Isn't he great and glorious? Brothers and sisters, we have opportunities to spread God's glory among the people of other nations right here in Kitsap County. Did you know that? We do. We do. This month, teen students from, the, from Basque will be staying with Christians all over Kitsap County, from Port Orchard all the way down to Gig Harbor and beyond, through a program called Summer in the USA. These Christians believe that just the simple act of welcoming students into your home is a powerful way to allow God's love to be shared and declared to the nations. It's like five weeks, I think, six weeks. One week they go to a camp and hear the gospel. Listen, the, this is what's so great about living in our country. The nations are literally coming to us through stuff like this. What an opportunity. What an opportunity for our church to obey the Lord, to obey the word of God. They're inviting the nations to Jesus, and the nations are saying, yes, yes. What if our church opened our arms to the nations, invited them to worship glorious King Jesus along with us right here, right now? You know what I think? I believe the nations would say yes. I really think they would. Wouldn't you love to see people say yes to Jesus right here, right now? I would. Crossway, God wants the worship of his name to spread throughout the world through this church. It's clear. He said it clear right here. He has called us to declare to the nations his glory, his majesty. He has called us to invite them to come into his presence through the name of Jesus. So let me end by saying this. I want to invite you to pray. Would you pray? Like, I'm not saying, like, would you think about praying? I'm like, would you pray? (laughs) Would you pray? Pray that God would allow us as individuals, even as families, and as a church body to be part of declaring his greatness to the world. I love you guys. Let's pray. Oh, King Jesus, you are majestic powerful and what a savior what a savior we thank you God for the time the time that we're getting to worship you today and how it's encouraged us and empowered us even educated us but God I pray that we would use this time this worship as fuel for missions I would share this with people that don't know, don't know you, people that may, maybe not look like us, maybe don't talk like us. Pray, God, that you would use our church to do that. I pray 
for every heart here, above all, that you would begin to change and just work into us like, like kneading yeast into a dough, delighting ourselves in you. That you would be our great delight. That what you have done for us would, would make us light up. That you would make it stand up and live. This wouldn't be words on pages, but it'd be something that we had encountered. Only you can do that, but thank God you can do that. <laughs> In Jesus' name I pray, amen.